ever since the transgression in the Garden of Eden, Satan has been trying, and uh, he tried to destroy the Savior. You know, sending Herod down to kill all the little babies from two years old and under. Of course, he didn't realize he he was going against the all-powerful God of all the ages. But Satan has never quit trying to destroy. After he couldn't destroy the Savior, he's tried to destroy the church. And then he tries, if he can't destroy the church, which he cannot, he tries to distract the children of God away from worship of God and then that would bring glory to him. So, when Paul was writing to the young preacher Timothy, uh, he gave us information and a warning. And he said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But you know, he said, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned of me. All right. Also, uh, uh, he had said to the young preacher Timothy, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God. And he said, a workman that needeth not to, to uh, you know, uh, I, now what's the rest of it, but David? Be Pardon? Be ashamed. Uh, needeth not, you know, to, um, to, 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 to defend himself, but rather he said, in so doing, if you continue in the preaching and the truth, he said, you shall both save thyself and them that hear thee. So, the preaching of the gospel today is for the glory of God and to give information to the children of God that will keep their minds and hearts tuned toward God and also give them warnings about things that would destroy the joy of their life. Now, in the book of Lamentations, third chapter and about the 26th verse, he, the, the, the Bible says, It is good that a man both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Now, what else can we do? You know, we can't, we can't overthrow the influences of Satan, but we can be alarmed at the, his presence. Now, so, I was just going to say this morning, we're not just to hunker down and do nothing here in this world, but we are to remember the things that God has said to us because they'll save us from so much calamity. Now, Jesus said before he left in this, in the 14th chapter of John, he said, if I go away, I'll send another comforter. And he know he'll lead you to all truth and, and he'll bring you peace. So, uh, even though that some of the world today teaches that heaven is a reward, it's not. It's an inheritance. But since this is an inheritance, then the testator watches over his bride day by day by day. And when we talk about his bride, who does that mean? 
you and I. So just don't just don't uh, be alarmed all that much about what's going on in the world. He said, you just hope, which us cling to the resurrection, and quietly wait. Children of God are not going not supposed to be out here romping and stomping and and carrying on and causing troubles and everything like that. We are to quietly wait for the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord. Uh, but Brother Jimmy, would you lead us in prayer? I do appreciate those thoughts, Brother Houston. Appreciate that good prayer this morning, Brother Jimmy. So thankful for that. And I tell you, oftentimes, and I do ask for your prayers. So often, and you you probably don't even know how often. I try to study. You know, I I do my I don't do my best. I don't. But I do try to study. Um, I'm easily distracted. <laughs> but I do try to study and I try to study those things that I think are good and oftentimes I'll, I'll arrive at this point and I'm still not 100% sure what it is I need to talk about and, and, and where I need to go. I've studied several things in Scripture, but how all that will go together, I'm not sure. But brethren, today, if I don't, if my thoughts, and I've got some thoughts this morning, if they don't come out, it's nobody's fault but mine, okay? Nobody's fault but mine. Because I don't think we could have had any better the song service, the songs that were called out, and the thoughts that Brother Houston introduced with, I don't think they could have been any better in tune with what I've already had on my mind if I'd have picked them out myself and gave them, just handed them out. Let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with number 413. I just want to look at the chorus on that song. Then I'm going to go to First Timothy well, chapter 4, just to start there. Because what's on my mind this morning is the gospel. 
It is the gospel. And we don't, I mean, sometimes we just, we take it for granted. We don't, uh, um, I think oftentimes we don't really dwell on how blessed we are to have the gospel, to have the knowledge of the gospel. Let me just, this song, 413, is about the gospel. The old, old story. It's what it's about. It's about the gospel. With the writer here in the chorus, that it's very familiar with all of us. We know this song. Um, I don't lead it very well, but we know it. Um, it oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Now, I wonder how Jesus became my Savior forever. You see, the gospel that the world presents is what I would call, and I think what the Apostle Paul would call there in the, uh, was it, uh, I guess it's the book of Galatians, another gospel, which is not another. Okay? But the writer of this song was familiar with the same gospel that I'm familiar with. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. And I, I just can't stop thinking about how today so many people would want to phrase it something like this. I know He's my Savior forever because of this choice that I made. Because of the, the steps that I've taken. Because of the things that I've done. You know, I can't... I can't even imagine saying it like that. And that just, it just sounds so foreign. But listen to what the writer here says, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bartlett. I'm, I'm not very familiar with Mr. Bartlett. This is a very famous song, I know, but I, I'm not familiar with him as a writer. But obviously, Mr. Bartlett, yeah, Bartlett. Mr. Bartlett knew the same gospel I know. How did I get that victory? <laughs> How can I claim victory in Jesus? Well, he says, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me heir. What does that mean, heir? He loved me even before I knew him. That's what heir means. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is due Him. Why? Because He is the one that plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. And I, again, the cleansing flood is what? It's that the purchase that He made of me. <laughs> Didn't have anything to do with my choice or my decision. As the writer there says, He loved me even before I knew who He was. He loved me. The verse that one of the verses that Brother Houston went to was that uh, it's found in First Timothy chapter four. The Apostle Paul here speaking to Timothy. He had spoke to Timothy previously, and and well, not previously after this. In another time, Brother Houston was talking about this particular verse, uh, talking to the minister. He says. Uh, 
in Second uh, Timothy 2 and 15, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, why is it important to rightly divide the word of truth? Because that is the gospel. You see, if the preacher doesn't have the gospel and, and have it rightly divided, it's going to fall on people and it's going to not, it's not going to result in the things that, that the gospel is intended for. Okay? Because when, when you begin to teach a gospel that is not another, that is not the gospel, uh, as Paul pointed out there in the book of Galatians, when you begin to teach a false gospel, well, you can't claim victory in Jesus. You might try to claim victory in myself, but you can't claim victory in Jesus. Paul, again, in the first, in that first uh, book of Timothy, Timothy, first Timothy chapter four, verse 14, well, the apostle, let me back up to verse 13. Till I come, the apostle Paul says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Now, a lot of times we, we get tangled up in some of Paul's words. Even the Apostle Peter says some of the things that the Apostle Paul teaches, they're a little difficult to understand sometimes. I think this particular part is just talking about where this dear brother was, had been ordained of God and then set apart by the presbytery to preach the gospel. And that's the point of this. That's the point of studying God's Word, to show yourself approved unto God. And that's the point of uh, giving attendance to reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. That's the whole point to the minister. Because what, what, is, what is expected of a minister? Moreover, it is required that a man be found faithful. That's what he says. Oftentimes I feel like I'm not very faithful with the Word. But we do try. He says, verse 15, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, to them. Completely to them. That thy profiting may appear unto all. Because this is profitable. The teaching of God's Word is profitable to God's children because only in hearing God's Word proclaimed can you shout victory in Jesus. That's the only possible way you can. You know, apart from knowing the Gospel, apart from knowing that Christ died for you, you can't claim victory in Jesus. You cannot. It doesn't mean you don't have victory in Jesus. You see, the point is, apart from hearing it, you'll never know it. You'll have it, but you won't know it. You won't, you won't have the luxury, the privilege, the, the, the rest that the gospel brings. There's a, a, in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, the, I think it's the fourth chapter, the writer there talks about this rest that we, we need to try to look for. Well, it's, it's that, that's the kind of rest that we're talking about this morning. Resting in the finished work of Christ. Resting in the gospel. Not striving to save ourselves or even others, but resting in the gospel. Uh, Paul says here to Timothy, he says, Meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. 
For in doing this, listen to what's going to happen. Listen to what the result is of this. What's the result of, of, a, of a preacher doing what he's been called to do? Doing what he's been led by the, the Spirit of God to do, do it, being obedient, being a faithful minister. What's the result? He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this. Continuing in faithfully as a minister of the word, as a, as a minister of the gospel, faithfully administering that out. It's a, we've been given a dispensation of the gospel. Uh, often, I, I, that's one of those words that, you know, we don't, it's kind of hard to understand what it is. For example, if I go to a vending machine and it's a Coke machine and I put money in and I look for the button for Pepsi, guess what I'm not going to find? A Pepsi because it's a Coke machine. Because a, a, a Coke machine, it's a Coke dispenser. It just dispenses Coke or Coke products. Well, you see, that's what a gospel minister is. He is a dispenser of the gospel. And he ought to only dispense the gospel. Not something he thinks, something he assumes, something that goes along with modern day doctrine, but the doctrine of the scriptures. The Lord's doctrine. It, that's what we've been called to dispense and dispense that only. That's why I'm, that's why I'm, that's why I'm an old Baptist. That's why I'm here. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this, that is being a faithful minister of the gospel. In doing this, he's going to save himself, Paul says. You, thou shalt both save thyself. Faithfully administering the gospel will result in my salvation, Paul says. And them that hear thee. It will also result in your salvation. Do you hear how important that is? A saving. We get a saving from the gospel. Now, the question is, what kind of saving is it? If you look back at what, what was his name? Mr. Bartlett, I think. Victory in Jesus. You know, what did we get out of that? <laughs> we, got, we got the deliverance from not knowing the end to knowing the end. Do you see that? You know what we call that? And you know what we call that because I tell you a lot what we call it. We call it, we call it time salvation because that is what it is. It is a deliverance that we as God's children receive here in this life, here in this time, not in order to. You see, you see, so many people teaching the gospel have this thing just twisted. So that makes it not another gospel because they've twisted it. They say, okay, you have to do this in order to. In order to what? Go to heaven. So you have to say this in order to. In order to what? Go to heaven. You have to believe this in order to. In order to what? Go to heaven. Let me take and put this over here on the right side, on the side that it belongs. Because we are going to heaven, we get to believe this. We get to do this. 
We get to follow this. Not in order to go to heaven, but because we are going to heaven. You see, that's the gospel. Let me share some thoughts with you from the book of Colossians. That's where I had, where I'd spent most of my time yesterday. I just was reading back and forth over this. I'd read some, I'd go away. I'd read some more, I'd go away. But this is the subject, I think, that Paul is talking about here in this gospel too. It's this, what, what is, what is the gospel for? What does it do for us? Does it get us into heaven? Does it open the doors of heaven and allow us to come in? Absolutely not. The gospel is just the messenger, my friends. The gospel is just, there was an event, a gospel event, but me telling you about it doesn't alter or change the event. I, I only want to broadcast the event. That's, that's all we're doing here. Paul, as he's writing to the, to the brethren there at Colossae, he says, um, uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. We ought to always be in prayer for our brethren, those those that we know of. As 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 we were having our prayer request, Brother Adam mentioned a young lady. He didn't name her. He doesn't have to. Well, the Lord knows who she is. The Lord knows. But we can pray for this one that we don't know, but that the Lord knows. But now we wouldn't know to pray. We wouldn't know to pray for her, whoever she is, if Brother Adam hadn't mentioned it. And let me tell you what, the, the Bible tells me, the Bible clearly says, Brother James tells us, he says, the, the prayers of a righteous man, the fervent prayer, that's how he puts it, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That's why I always, when I want, when I feel in need of something, that I think really needs to go before the Lord in prayer. Well, you know, we ought to take everything. We ought to feel like we can take everything to the Lord. I, I always tell my wife. Because I think her prayers are fervent. I think the Lord hears them. But that's how we ought to be. For our brothers and our sisters. We ought to be in fervent prayer for them. Praying that... that that the Lord will just be with them and help them and grant them the things they need in this life. Because that's what—that's all we've got. That's all we have here. We've got this life. You see, the next one has already been secured for us. It is, we are, as God's children, we are heaven bound. You know, I think about all the little babies that, you know, Herod destroyed. What did they miss out on? Maybe, I, I don't know what the average lifespan was at that time. I figured it probably wasn't very old, maybe 40 or 50. But most likely they, they, they were spared a very difficult life. And instead they went immediately into the presence of God. Rejoicing for what, 60 or 80 years? 90 years, maybe 100, maybe 100 million. I mean, forever, forever and ever and ever. You see, that's, 
I mean, this little span that we have is, yeah, it's uh, it's a little span. But that place that's been prepared for us, that place that's been secured for us, it is not a little span. It is forever. Paul says we pray always for you. He says, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love which you have to all the saints, there it is, there's how we, uh, the Lord, as he was talking to his disciples, he says, by this Shall all men know that you are my disciples? How? How, how are we going to know? What's the, what is the defining characteristic of a disciple of Christ? If you have love one for another. You see, that's the defining characteristic is when you have love for each other. Love is the thing that lets our brothers and sisters know that we are a, in fact, a brother or a sister. That's what it does. Doesn't make us children of God. Well, why? Because before that, before we before we can even have love, we must already be a child of God. Galatians, what is it, five and twenty-two? Um, Paul enumerates several things that he calls the but the fruit of the spirit is. Very first one is love. You see, you can't have love. You can't show love. You can't show the kind of love that only a child of God has unless you have the Spirit within you. You must already be a child of God before you can love. And in doing that, well, it just shows people around that, that we have something in common. He says we give thanks Because we heard about your faith in Christ, your belief in Christ, the love which you have to all the saints. We heard about that. We give thanks for that. We thank God for that. And for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. The hope. A lot of people don't understand what that is, even what that means. And old Baptists have for forever for as long as I know there have been old Baptists, that's what they claim. Their hope of heaven. You see, so much of, of today's world says, well, you know, forget about that hope. We don't want that hope stuff. We want that no stuff. Now, there are days, granted, there are days when I know I'm a child of God bound for heaven. There are days. There are days when I just hope I am. You know, you know, because we—that's just because we're people, because we're just people, and we're forgetful. And what was the salvation? Let's see, First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, one of the one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, the Apostle Paul there talks about the gospel. He says, This is the gospel. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Notice died, past tense. That's the gospel. He says, That's the gospel. Something that's already happened. It's a story about the event. It's already happened. So how he died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. Why is that so important? <laughs> You back up a few verses uh, in the beginning of that chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, uh, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. You stand squarely on the foundation of the gospel. 
That's where your hope lies. He says, and by which you're also saved. Because they're saving in the gospel. But listen to this. It's a conditional saving. It's not the kind of saving that says I'm going to heaven for sure. Okay? That's not what the gospel's about. The gospel's not about saying I'm going to heaven for sure. Unless you believe it. You see, you've got to believe the gospel in order to be able to say, I'm going to heaven for sure. You see, sometimes I do believe the gospel 100%. I believe it's for me. And some days I just hope it is because I feel like such a dirty, rotten sinner that I can't even imagine that it would be for me. Paul says, by which you are also saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. You see, what's the gospel for? The gospel's there to bring you comfort. The gospel's there to give you uh, the assurance. <laughs> the gospel's there to give you the assurance of something that you can't have a- apart from it. You can't have assurance of salvation apart from the gospel. You can have salvation apart from the gospel, eternal salvation. You can easily have salvation apart from the gospel, eternal salvation. How? Why? Because salvation, eternal salvation, is not hinged upon anything that we have done. It's not hinged upon any choice that we might make. It's not hinged upon anything that we could say or do or respond to or react to or follow through or even pray about. Eternal salvation is hinged upon whether or not we had a faithful Savior. Was He faithful? Was He faithful to go to the cross and finish the work that was assigned to Him? Absolutely He was. You see, He purchased me. Redeemed me. That's what Mr. Bartlett said. Purchased us. Redeemed us. He did that. That's how we can have victory in Jesus. And only in that. No other way. No other way. And let me tell you, apart from hearing that message, you're just not going to know it. You can have it, but you won't ever have the comfort that goes along with knowing. And that is a great privilege. There are people still, people all across this world who have never heard that or it's never been presented to them in, in, in scriptural terms. And they still feel like they got to go to church every Sunday or got to do something, got to follow some rules, got to do something to secure it themselves. They've never been told the gospel truth that Jesus secured it for them. He says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of truth, the truth of the gospel. You see, apart from hearing the truth of the gospel, apart from hearing that preached, apart from hearing that, you can never have, you can never have this hope. Why is the gospel so important? Because it saves you from doubt and fear. It saves you from, from all the things that we couldn't be saved from. <laughs> Under the law of Moses is what Paul says. Uh, uh, um, let see. Uh, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Men and brethren. This is Acts chapter 13. Um, verse 26. Acts chapter 13 verse 26. Men and brethren. Children of the stock of Abraham. 
And whosoever among you feareth God, to you, notice, notice that's present tense, feareth God. It's not to, to whosoever will uh, one day fear God. Because that's not what the gospel's for. Okay? The gospel is for your deliverance right now. And if you believe it, what do you have to fear? That, that's what, what is that? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth, not will believe, but whosoever believeth, present participle, currently in the state of, doing it right now. Do you believe it? The evidence is right there in your belief. The evidence is, is right there. Because if you believe it, you have everlasting life. John chapter 5. I'm still going to read something from Acts. John chapter 5. Let's see. I think it's chapter 5. I think that's what I'm looking for. The reason why I don't see it because that's chapter 6. John chapter 5. John chapter 5 verse... Mm, 24. This is what Jesus said. John chapter 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word. Okay, let me ask you a question. Can you hear the gospel? Um, apart from somebody proclaiming it apart from it being preached, apart from it, it being declared, apart from a book opening it up to you. You can't, okay? You've got to hear the gospel. You see, there is a saving in the gospel that you only get by hearing the gospel. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath already is in possession of. Everlasting life. And when you hear that and you believe it, what do you got to fear? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Acts chapter 13. Uh, the Apostle Paul there is, is preaching the gospel. That's, that's what he's doing. <clears throat> Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God... To you is this word of salvation sent. That's Acts 13, 26. He goes on, he says in verse uh, 38. Verse 38. Acts 13, 38. Here it is. Here is what the gospel is for. If you'll just use it in the right way. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you forgiveness of sins. Did you know that your sins were forgiven through that man? Not because of any action that you've taken, but through that man. Through the precious blood of Christ. Through His shed blood. That's how your sins were forgiven. And Paul says that, and by Him all that believe, not all that will believe, 
Not all that's going to believe one day, but this is because it's not for that. The Gospel's not for tomorrow. And it's also not for yesterday. It's for right now. You see, that's why sometimes I'm certain that blood was shed for me. In other days, I just hope it was. Because see, I don't keep that in memory constantly. I don't keep that in my mind all the time. I'm not so sure about that all the time because I know who I am. But I have that hope. He says, by Him all that believe are justified from all the things which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. You see, what, what was it about that? What was the difference there? Well, you see, because back then when there was the law of Moses, the gospel hadn't been declared. You think those people all went to a place of eternal torment because the gospel hadn't been declared? No. But, but what happened to them? How were they saved? They're saved. They were saved exactly like we are saved. You see, that's the point of the gospel. The gospel is, the gospel's, the saving power of the gospel, that event, is retroactive. It goes equally in both directions. Um, next chapter over, the apostle uh, Peter talking about that same subject, talking about the gospel. He says, listen, he says, they're, and they're talking about how, well, all these Gentiles, they're not obeying all these Rules and regulations that we did as Jews are not following all those instructions. Right. But did you actually follow all those instructions? And they think, oh, well, no, maybe not. You see, when you get under that, that system of, of legalism, of rules and regulations, and, and you begin to be taught that that's how saving comes, oh, there is no comfort in that. None. Because you're going to get to the place in your life where you think about, oh, did I do that right? Did I, or did I miss a step? Peter says this. He says, listen. He says, um, verse 11, Acts 15, 11. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. You see, if there's salvation to be had, it's going to be had in the same exact way that they got it. We're going to get it just like they got it. How? Obeying a bunch of rules? No. Simply through the grace of God. Because that's how He saves. That's how He saves. Paul says, uh, back in our text there in Colossians, Paul says, I thank God for that hope which is laid up for you. I think about that idea of hope a lot of times because we don't... Because um, that's... I mean, that's the proper way to, to term salvation, that hope that we have laid up for us. I think Brother Houston was uh, using one of those verses. It's, uh, what is that, Second Thessalonians? Um, let's see, First Thessalonians maybe? It's not coming to me right off the top of my head. Hope. Oh, I know a good verse for that. Hope. Romans. Romans chapter 8. How are we... How's hope save us? Hope saves us. Saved by hope, Paul says. 
Paul talking about the gospel, the glorious, the, the fact that we are saved in Christ, the fact that, you know, while we do have trials and troubles and tribulations here in this life, as Brother Houston was introducing with, we, we can be assured of that life to come. In verse 8, 18, perfect example. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. How, how can he say that? He says, for we're saved, verse 24, we're saved by hope. That hope, knowing that, knowing that there is something that's going to be revealed, knowing that there's a home in heaven. And how did we get that? Well, we got it by Christ. But how do we know that? It came to us by the gospel. The gospel declared that unto us. He says, we're saved by hope. He says, but hope that's seen is not hope. For why, for what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? Why? Well, I've, I've used this example many times. I think, well, I wish I had some water. See, I don't have to wish or hope for water because I've got some. See, but it's that home in heaven. Well, I hope for that home in heaven. I hope for that home in heaven. I hope, I seek, I want. I would love to have that home in heaven. And how am I going to get it? By following all the rules? Mm -mm. Because we've already been showed time and time again that we can't follow enough rules. Uh, what Mr. Uh, Top Lady in his, his song, um, uh, oh, what is that song we sing? Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Oh, thank you so much, Brother Houston. When we sing that song, the Rock of Ages, he says, you know, so, so I could cry forever. <laughs> I'm, with my tears would forever flow. It wouldn't be enough. I, I can't cry enough tears to get myself into heaven. But Jesus, but Jesus once and for all settled it for us. He says that's how we're saved by hope. When, when we see that finally, that salvation will be, become full. Um, back in our text. He says, for hope, which is laid up for us. He's thankful to God for that. Laid up for you in heaven. Something laid up. It's not a, again, Brother Houston talked about that inheritance. That inheritance. That's what's laid up for us. He says, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. I've, Sometimes I thought about that phrase there. Talking about which is coming to you as it is in all the world. Talking about the gospel. That's what Paul's talking about. And I don't think the Apostle Paul is saying here that the gospel has come to all the world. Because I think there are still places in the world today that the gospel is has not reached. There are still people who have never heard the gospel. I do think it goes out to all kinds of people. It goes out often. I, I, I don't know how often the true gospel goes out, but at least some parts of it do. They go out. But I think what Paul is saying here is when the gospel goes out, it goes out in the exact same way. You've got to accept it by faith. That's how it goes out. It goes out the same way, just like Peter said. If, if we're to be saved, we're going to be saved just like they are. He says, as you also learned of Epaphras, now that's their preacher, their preacher declared it to them, 
you skip on down a little bit. For this cause, verse 9. For this cause. Since the day we heard of these things, we continue to pray for you, is what Paul says. How? What? What reason? <laughs> that they might be filled with something that is knowledge. Study to show thyself approved unto God. It's not just good for preachers. Okay? Studying God's Word is not just good for preachers because what what happens? What does knowing God's Word do for us? Well, it delivers us from, from the things that we couldn't be delivered by the law of Moses. You see, it delivers us from the fear of having to follow rules. It delivers us to the freedom of the Gospel. And when we hear the false gospel, studying God's Word and knowing God's Word delivers us from being misled by it. You see, much of the world wants to tell you that the gospel brings life. That's what they say. They say apart from the gospel, there can be no eternal life. Paul told Timothy, what was it, 2 and 10? No, 2 Timothy 1 and 10. What does the gospel show? What does the gospel bring? It brings life and immortality to light. It doesn't bring life. It just brings the, the message of life. It shows you that you have life already. It reveals it to you. And so Paul's prayer for them that they would be filled with all that knowledge about that and, and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You, you, know, you can know all the facts you can know all the facts, but until you've got the wisdom to apply it right, the facts won't do you any good. You see, that's, what, that's how it helps us as God's children. You know, on those days when we get to the place where, oh my goodness, was the gospel for me? Was the gospel for me? Well, thinking back on the gospel, thinking back on the true gospel, we can get comfort from that. Because, you know, I think surely the gospel can't be for me because I'm such a oftentimes I know who I am. I know I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I know that. So the gospel can't be for me. Well, the gospel tells us that we didn't earn it. The gospel tells us that it was all of grace. The gospel tells us it was all his work and not mine. Then maybe I can hope in that gospel. Maybe I can hope in that. Let me just finish up with a few verses here in the last part of this. Paul gets to, and this is again another one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Paul gets to that great mystery. Well, it's at the end of this. Uh, you can go ahead and read to the end of this chapter to get that great mystery. And it is, what is that great mystery? Is it me? Is it my efforts? No, it's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Let me just read a couple of verses here just to just to give some shed some light on how this life and immortality came about. Just like that song that we sang, you know, victory in Jesus. How did we get victory in Jesus? Was it anything that we did? Was it anything that we accomplished? Paul shares some thoughts about that as well. He says, uh, let me see, verse 12, I'll start there. He says, giving thanks unto the Father which has what? The Father has made us meet. M-E-E-T. It means suitable. You know, when I get to that place, you know, when I feel low, 
and think, I, well, I don't deserve it. <laughs> I have to remind myself, you're exactly right. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve the love of God. But it was God in Jesus Christ who made us suitable to be heirs of life. Who made us suitable to be partakers of that hope. He says, um, we give thanks unto the Father which made us, and I'll I'll just say suitable because that's what it means, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We didn't get that in here. We weren't, we weren't uh, made heirs of Christ or, or heirs of God and joint heirs uh, of Christ because of our anything that we have done. We were made that way because it was His desire to do so. He says, who hath. Again, there's that old English past tense. Hath already. Who hath delivered us. Let me tell you, if God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us, moved us into the kingdom of his son. What do we have to fear? You see, that's what the gospel does for us. It reminds us over and over and over again about what has been done for us. The gospel. It's precious. Because it reminds us that it's not us. It's not something we've done. It is all of Him. Um, in whom, verse 14, I'll just close with that. It's as good a place as any to stop. In whom, talking about Jesus Christ, His dear Son, he's, we've been moved to that kingdom. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If you have forgiveness of sins, what's left to owe for? Absolutely nothing. I hope that the Lord helps us to remember that. That's my prayer.